This is episode 61, Garden Fork. We talk about the Garden Fork podcast, Willie Nelson's new book, and Carl Pilkington has a head like a fucking orange. And more, stay tuned! This is the Book Guys Show. My name is Paul Ave, sometimes known as... Paul the Book Guy! Joined, as always, by... Sir Jimmy. How you doing, Sir Jimmy? Doing fantastic. It's good to be back on the air. (laughs) And, Sir Jimmy, maybe you and I should explain why uh, we got rid of the ad at the top of the show. Uh, We did try to record an episode 61 the other day. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh it was it was pretty bad. We we come to the conclusion that we would rather just be able to to just talk and and occasionally we uh we might even swear, but uh that was that was the other show. So we just <laughs> we just started up the other show and said, "Let's just heck with it. Let's <laughs> let's do an emergency broadcast system and we let the color fly." Yeah, so we were trying to do our favorite podcast episode and uh just playing previews live off itunes and we found that the top of the podcast just took most of the podcasts were started you know with like eight minutes of ads so we decided to if anything move any ad we might have to like the middle of the show or you know just blend it into the show rather than have it right at the top some shows were worse with the ads that were front loaded but uh that's right i think uh, the only one we had a great success uh, was uh, garden fork and uh, we do happen to have a special guest today, and I'll introduce him right after I introduce our good friend. Father Robert! Buenos dias, padre. Buenos dias! <laughs> How you doing? Greetings from the wonderfully cold city of Washington, D.C., where I, I just flew in yesterday after being in California, where it was like 75, so I'm, I think I'm in weather morning. Yeah, I'm with you too. We're here in Toronto. It's a little bit chili and we are joined this week gentlemen by eric Rocho from garden fork how are you eric hey guys i'm here thank you <laughs> nice to have you on board uh, i have my own podcast but i've never been a guest on someone else's oh awesome we're glad to be your first well, <laughs> uh, eric eric eric's podcast garden fork uh was one of the very first podcasts i ever downloaded when um i was messing around with my video ipod i was like I was getting ready to go on the plane. I'm like, what can I put on this thing to watch so that people can know that I have, like, the new iPod that shows videos and stuff? Found Garden Fork, and I've been a fan of it ever since. So, Eric does everything on there from teaching how to make raised beds, fixing old brakes off 19, what, 83 Ford F-150 trucks, to <laughs> how to keep bees and how to make uh, maple syrup. Now, before we talk yeah, to Eric, Eric can, we, can we play a quick clip uh, from your podcast? Sure. It's handpicked by uh, Sir Jimmy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Garden Fork Radio. I'm your host, Eric Rothschild. Today we have a special remote interview. Um, I was down at Maple Knoll Farm where we keep our bees, and I was talking to Bill our farmer friend Bill, who um, you can see in our How to Make Maple Syrup videos. Uh, Bill has a sap house, or a sugar shack as they're called, on his property. And we were talking about this year, which is kind of a bizarro year as far as the winter's been. And I knew that he would be thinking about it as far as when the sap is going to start to run. So I uh, brought out my little recorder and we had a little chat. So here we go. All right. When sap season was normal for probably the first 
26 years or so that I made maple syrup here, I used to call it halftime. You'd get, you'd be boiling and be working and working and working, and all of a sudden you'd get a cold snap. You know, in the middle of March, where it would go down to zero. You know, it would be five running. degrees. It would just shut off. The trees, would, their tank would freeze, the arch would freeze. You know, the trees were frozen. We'd run around and say, "Okay, we got to hurry up and make sure you get." You, we'd be busy boiling sap, and we'd say, "Okay, the buckets are probably like maybe half full. We better go get the sap out of there because tomorrow, when it gets down to zero tomorrow night." You know, it'll freeze solid and it pops the seams on your bucket. So yeah, we try yeah. to get, try to get it out of there. You know, we like it when it goes down to maybe 18. <laughs> you know, 18 or 20. Then it'll f- freeze. It'll freeze the sap, and, and you can take skim the ice off when you collect, and you and you get you get rid of some of your some of the some water of your boiling pond. Anyway, exactly. Yeah. You throw that ice out, and the concentrate is usually you know is in the bottom of the pail. And, the, and when you run it through the strainer on the, on the collection tank, you can throw the ice away. Maple syrup. Sir Jimmy, you had to pick maple syrup, didn't you? Nope. Yeah, that's actually, that's my, uh, that's one of my good friends, Bill, who has the Maple No Farm. Because we, we should explain that Garden Fork is a uh, web video show that's on iTunes and YouTube and the GardenFork.tv site. And then we have an audio companion I call it Garden Fork Radio for all the cool stuff that doesn't make it into a Garden Fork video because it's kind of a lot of work to make a video. And uh, I really like I like Garden Fork Radio because I I can listen to it while I'm driving, which I do all the time. I may sneak a peek at the videos while I'm driving, but I, I kind of try to watch those when I'm sitting yeah. still. <laughs> well, that's what was the aha moment for me and for people listening. If you're thinking about doing your own uh, podcast show, is someone I met someone who watched Garden Fork the videos, and he said, you know. I don't watch them. I listen to your videos in the car. And I yeah. was like, wow. So this is like drive time garden fork. So people, when people drive to work, they now listen to the radio portion, uh, which I have you know, various friends on or special guests, and we just talk. So it's very eclectic. But the videos are fun because they have a specific how-to on a subject, and my dogs are in it. And I usually I leave all the mistakes in, which I think is key, why people like it. It's the imperfect how-to, I call it. And You've then the actually, radio show is just, it sounds like you guys, basically. You know, <laughs> just very kind of ping-pong and, and eclectic, you know? Speaking of the Labradors, they, they've been in the show since day one. You know, you've got, uh, was it Charlie Pup and what's the name of the other one? Henry, yeah. Charlie Pup and Henry. They're, they're highly featured in the videos. I think some people watch it solely for the dogs and you just happen to be in them. But uh, you, you've got some kind of a Kickstarter program going on right now. There's not much time left. You're trying to put together a book with the dogs in it? Yeah, we're trying to, uh, we're basically trying to finance the, to upgrade our computers and our software to put out e-books. And I thought the first one that would be most appealing would be the Labrador book. Um, so that's what we went with. And it's, I don't think people realize how much work it actually takes to put out a book even if it's just an ebook. you know there's I, I don't have all the skills and so i'm just going to hire some designer and editor friends of mine to help me with it so we did the kickstarter thing um to finance that so we'll see how it goes we're we're not quite there yet but we still have a couple days left so do, do you have a link for your kickstarter eric um it's a real convoluted one if you just go to kickstarter.com and type in garden fork okay it'll show up maybe we can give you, you know, a couple of things that you mentioned just uh it, it sort of tickled me the first part is how you, you have listeners who listen to the video as uh, you know as they're traveling um yeah. it, it's so so true that the 
you know, one of the unspoken truths about podcasting right now is you, you know, doing video is infinitely more difficult than doing just an audio only podcast. But yeah, oh yeah. 90% of your, your audience is going to be audio only. It's, it's just how it works. Uh, and the second thing is, I, I love the fact that you're doing a Kickstarter. I, I, you know, I've got a lot of friends in the industry right now who, who are trying to get eclectic content off the ground by uh, you know, rallying a, a large enough fan base, getting them to, to pay for a season of content ahead of time. Uh, and you know, honestly, I think that's, that's kind of where we're heading. Uh, what, what's your take on having a Kickstarter-supported content model? It's really hard. Um... Actually, I was going to write a blog post about this. Um, I've, basically, we have a YouTube channel where we have about 10,000 subscribers. There's 4 million video views uh, on, on YouTube of Garden Fork. So there is a big component there that watches video also. But I, I shotgunned this Kickstarter campaign out to everyone on YouTube, everyone on our iTunes video channel, our iTunes audio channel, the 5,000 subscribers I have on Twitter, the 2,500 I have on Facebook, and the response rate or the uh, opt-in rate is really, really low. Sounds like you might have read uh, Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk, because it sounds like you are crushing it online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a great guy, by the way. He is, he's a friend of mine, actually. He's been on the show. Um, but it's you have to really prep people that this is going to the Kickstarter thing is going to launch and you have to explain it really well and there has to be an idea that clicks in people's heads right away and the idea of the ebooks I've found does not click in people's heads I think if we did a Kickstarter program campaign for buying a new camera that might ring a little better in, in people's minds about where the money is going or right. why we need to give Garden Fork some money now, are you going to do something so, kind of like our, our friend uh, Brian Brushwood did with uh, putting your videos in a collection in the ebook? Yeah, well, that's going forward. That's what I want to do, um, and that's what the initial money will help fund. Is you know, I don't own an iPad, so it, we need to experiment with this uh, these tablets and that because you can have dynamic ebooks where you can you could be watching a Garden Fork uh, book with your child, and you can prep touch on one of the Labradors and a video pops up and it's a Labrador swimming or jumping right. in their tub or something, you know. Or it's a how-to, you know, we could have a picture of the house and you could click on the door and it'll show you how to mount door hinges. Right, and the iPad is portable enough, uh, or any tablet really is portable enough that you could, you need to fix the door, you can bring up the Garden Fork video that shows you how to do it and have it right there as you're working. Yeah, so that was the idea with the Kickstarter campaign, but the, the Kickstarter funding model... Um, the light bulb has to go off in people's heads in like the first three seconds, I think. So this has some, been some great campaigns. Uh, musicians, it works really well for musicians or people making a movie that people really connect with. Or a gizmo, like one guy has a camera mount so you can mount, it's like a camera belt clip that just clips on your belt. You can have your DSLR on your belt and unclip it. Nice. And he, and he got thousands of participants because if you, if you gave them the 25 or $50, You'd get one of these clips before anybody else did. Um, but with the Garden Fork ebook, it's a little more esoteric. It's a little, it's not quite as concrete, you know. Yeah, people have to love you. Yeah, they love us, but they're used to they're 
on the web, people are used to free. They are, they are used you to know, free. But, you know, there, there are people, like, if they enjoy your show, a lot of, you'll find that a lot of your listeners wouldn't mind paying four ninety nine or five ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine for your ebook and helping support you that way. Because well, people, thirty three percent of the people on this show actually contributed. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, uh, one of the interesting things is Brian Brushwood. It's, it's fun that you uh, you brought him up. So uh, a lot of the content that he makes is either incredibly low cost or free. You know. Oh, NSFW doesn't cost anything for anyone. And not yeah, it's, it's like three guys in a bar, uh, a fork, and a exactly, toothpick. Exactly. <laughs> but but what, what he did was, so rather than using Kickstarter to, to fund the content itself, he used Indiegogo to, to fund, uh, to take advantage of the love, that you know, the, the love that Sir Jimmy's talking about for, for his content. So what he did was he, uh, he made a, an Indiegogo video, and he said, look, I've got a, a new baby on the way. I'd love to spend two months at home with my wife after the birth of my new child. I figure it's going to take me $10,000 to do that. So he put, he put up a bunch of the stuff that he normally does. So you know, prices for his appearances, everything was grossly overpriced, but there was so much love for him as a person and the con did. I, I, by the end of the campaign, he, he made, what, $32,000? Um, yeah. Wow. And, you know, so that's, it, it wasn't for the content. But it was because of the content. It was like a reward for the content. People were used to paying for the content, I mean, uh, not paying anything for the content, for getting the content free. But then they were willing to pony up a little bit uh, when they heard that the host was a need. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting angle. Yeah, the, the thing with Kickstarter is it's all or nothing. If you set five grand as your goal, if you don't get $5,000 in contributors, you don't get any of the money. Right. Right. Um, and there's, it works great sometimes, but um, I've also found that I just have a donate button on the Garden Fork site, and people will, you know, a couple times a week, someone sends 25 bucks. <laughs> so, yeah, you never know. You might find that one really ultra-wealthy listener, Bar- a Baron von Pelsmacher, who will just uh, anonymously yeah. contribute, you know, $20,000. You never know. <laughs> or James Goots. You, know? <laughs> you never know. James Goots might throw in. <laughs> I was halfway ready to just throw in five hundred dollars because I saw how far you were from the goal. I was, I was thinking, I'd take a gamble. Eric will think I am the bee's knees, and <laughs> and if he if he doesn't make it, he'll be like, oh, why don't you? Maybe you could just send like two fifty over in the PayPal. <laughs> but that, I, that I think is, it, you, you almost have to have an iPhone like Gizmo or something for to go big on Kickstarter. Because when I I, I uh, contributed to garden fork uh i saw this it's a little tiny led that fits in the top of your ipad or iphone and all it does is flash when you get an email or a a voicemail that's one of the things i hate about iphones and ipads you have you have no external thing telling you you know once the screen goes black and and there it was you contribute 10 bucks and you'll be one of the first people to. i'm gonna i'm gonna you know what later on in the show sir jimmy i'm gonna give you the iphone tip of the week on how to oh. make that iPhone really light up every time you get a message. <laughs> Stay tuned, constant readers and constant <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so, so, Eric, when did you start Garden Fork? What, what made you start a podcast? I always love asking this question. Um, I used to work in uh, television and film uh, on the production side, and I always felt that I could create better content than what we were shooting. <laughs> and I wanted to have my own cooking show, and we, uh, we did like a little demo, you know, a little demo video. And I live in New York City, so I could approach, you know, cable networks and stuff. I, I knew some people, and they all said, this is a great idea. 
uh, you don't have a celebrity attached to it, so it's not going to go anywhere. Um, so then I, I one day ran across a cooking show on iTunes called Crash Test Kitchen. Nice. Australian people, Crash Test Kitchen. It's great. And they were making these videos in their kitchen and putting them up on iTunes, and I was like, well, there you go. That's what I'm going to do. And I emailed them, and they kind of walked me through it, and I, I'm kind of a gearhead, computer head, so I figured some more out, and... And we make a video every weekend now, my wife and I, and we put it up on the Internet. So, <laughs> nice. The camera operator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, I know you got to get back to cooking dinner, but I, I had a, um, a question or two, actually one question in two parts. If, if somebody's never heard of Garden Fork and they want to go to GardenFork.tv or if they want to go to YouTube and search for Garden Fork, you know, give me like two videos so they can see the plethora of things that you do that you would say represent Garden Fork succinctly? Uh, the No Need Bread episode, uh, which is basically uh, showing people, I think, a, a more improved way of Mark Bittman and Jim Leahy's uh, No Need Bread, uh, just because it's, um, it, you know, it's, a, it's an enabler. I just love the idea of people that are uh, kind of inhibited by the idea of making bread you know, right. thinking, oh, it's such a big deal, and it's the most—it's the most dead simple thing in the world. Um, most people don't know how to make a make... glass of water, Eric. They—they yeah. they buy them bottled in the store. And the other one would be uh, an older one, which was a lot of fun, was uh, making a creme brulee, which I uh, got to use my flamethrower, and I really like my flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, that, the flamethrower is—is worth the price of admission. Any food that requires a flamethrower must be awesome. This one is this is extra awesome, this particular flamethrower. And how to cook a frozen steak nice. with a flamethrower. You can use your propane torch, too. But you have a frozen steak in the fridge, in the freezer. You come home at night, you really want a steak, and the thing is still frozen. I show you how to cook a frozen steak in a half an hour. Brilliant. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I just, I just got to throw in the plywood boat. One of my favorites. <laughs> now, Eric, I, oh, I know man, you have. I would boat one. It's great. Sorry, sorry, Eric. I know you got to go, but uh, maybe we'll have you back sometime, and you can uh, share with us some of your favorite cookbooks or books on gardening sometime. Uh, and hang tight, Eric. Thank you for, so much for joining us. We're going to record a little promo with you, but we're going to take a quick break here on the Book Guys Show. Uh, we'll record that promo uh, with you, and then we'll uh, return to the show. But thank you so much. Gardenfork.tv. Is there any other websites you want to tell us on how to reach you? No, that's just ty- you just type in gardenfork.tv and it'll get to me. Thank you. Brilliant. Are you on the Twitter? I'm gardenforktv on Twitter, yeah. Brilliant. So sit tight, Eric, and we'll be right back, folks, uh, after this break. Hi, this is Colin Ferguson. I play Sheriff Jack Carter on Eureka, and you're listening to The Book Guys. I am Alec Eric from DrWhoSociety.com. You are listening to The Book Guys Show. back a gentleman we almost forgot top of the show what's on your kindles what's on your nightstands what's on your ipads what's on your iphones what's on your windows a tablets sir jimmy what have you been reading this week i finished up willie nelson's new book roll me up and smoke me when i die musings from the road autobiographies it is unbelievably thin 
I can't believe it took me uh, almost a month to finish it. It's only 100 and- <laughs> 170 pages, and if you take out all the music lyrics, it's probably more like 120 pages. If you take out the music lyrics, it's a napkin. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And I'm I'm uh, now finished with this. I've got a few chapters of Kill Decision left on Audible, and uh, I'll be moving on. I've got I'm about to roll up on have two Audible credits sitting there. I need to get something new to listen to. Now, Sir Jimmy, I promise I was going to show you my Willie Nelson signature. Uh, here and we're not a video podcast yet, but we've got the video up. Can you can you bring up yours, <laughs> Padre? This is gonna, this is great. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> hey, wait now a for, first, for you audio listeners out there, we've got two hand signed Willie Nelson <laughs> autographs that look exactly the same. Now, wow! While I was waiting, copy. While I was waiting for mine. I did ask the nice lady at the publisher if mine was going to be signed as well. And then she said, Oh, <laughs> they're printed in every copy. <laughs> oh, no. Are you serious? So, Jimmy, always always flip the page over and look for the, the Sharpie marks. <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> Hang None on. Look, you the- <laughs> just destroyed something that was invaluable to him. Oh, wow. No kidding. kidding. I'm sorry, Jimmy. I I have been babying this book. I've been hanging on to that piece of information until we were on the air. I'm so sorry to destroy your dreams. I have have, have shown this to probably a hundred people and just glowed over it. They'll never know. They'll never know. (laughs) I I did examine it. I was like, wait a minute. That's printed on. Damn it. To authors out there, never do this. This is a no, no. this is a douchebag move. Sorry, Willie. This is a douchebag move. Printing. Give him a douchebag. Give him a come on. Printing. I, I, you know, I have to. You know what? I, I got. I got to bring up my iPad. I didn't have my jingle thing on the iPad, but I have to. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry, Willie. But you get a douchebag. <laughs> love you, Willie. <laughs> All in fun. You know, we love Willie Nelson. Love him as a songwriter and just a person in general. And and as uh, Padre was saying during the break, it's now legal in a couple states. <laughs> I should have I should have hurried up and sold this to the first person I, I saw. That's right. <laughs> Hand sign. Look at that. Woo! <laughs> because honestly, I didn't I didn't know better. Well, it's it's it's, it's an interesting book. I mean, if if you, Willie Nelson's a great songwriter, uh, there's a lot of little uh, segments. Uh, his family chimes in on the little gray sections. You get a lot of lyrics, a lot of little you know stories, dirty limericks. Dirty jokes. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of good jokes that I've been using. Like, uh, what do you call a guitar player without a girlfriend? Homeless. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's that's that's. Uh, I'm fond of that one since I just picked up the guitar. This is it's it's a great and you know, there's an audio version. I didn't know that. I I would have listened to the audio. Like I'm gonna, you know, the whole no ads thing. But you know what? It's a twenty five dollar hardcover. As you can see by the thing here. You know what? You get it for like $11, $10.58 on Audible here in Canada or for one credit. And I'm going to play a quick clip here. Uh, the audiobook is read by Tom. I have no idea how to pronounce his last name. Stashushult. Tom. It's narrated by Tom. Here we go. <laughs> the word songwriter can apply to many different kinds of people. Barry Manilow is an accomplished songwriter, and he's made more money than God. 
Basically, he writes songs that make you feel good for a short period of time. Willie, on the other hand, writes songs that may make you think, and some of them will stay with you for a lifetime. Willie is hesitant about giving advice on songwriting. I will never say anything to discourage a songwriter, he says. But if you are a real songwriter, nothing I could say would discourage you anyhow. If my opinion could change your mind about being a songwriter, then you really weren't a songwriter to begin with, and I would have done you a favor by making you look for a different career. If a real songwriter happened to hear that I didn't like his work, he would say, What the hell does Willie Nelson know? Fuck Willie Nelson. So, there's a lot of little things in there like that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great. If, if you're a fan of Willie Nelson, I would say this is a must-have, you know, you get a little insights on the road. Uh, things like, you know, he wrote on the road again on the back of a barf bag while he was on a plane. <laughs> the greatest, like, car travel song of all time, you know, driving a truck, driving a car. It's, it was written in a plane. There's <laughs> <laughs> great art on the hardcover, too. I mean, you know, rarely do you see a fully printed. You take the jacket off and it's still fully printed. You've got artwork inside by, well, not only Willie Nelson, his fake Sharpie douchebag autograph, but, you know, a little art here and there from his family. I have an earmark. There we go. He talks about Occupy Wall Street. He talks about uh, big agricultural corporations that are destroying the earth. He's he's big into, uh, you know, alternative news. I saw him on an Alex Jones video once. I don't know why I was watching an Alex Jones video, but uh, he was like, You hey, ended we're up on the weird side of YouTube. Jim. We're, we're going to go to Willie Nelson's house and talk to Willie Nelson. And it was like this Texas bar. <laughs> I'm thinking that that's Willie Nelson's house. He lives in like a saloon. <laughs> he lives he upstairs from a saloon. <laughs> he spends all his time in, in that bar with his friends uh, playing guitar, playing yeah. uh Poker and dominoes. He's the real deal. Like a picture in your mind, folks. You don't have to see the video. Picture in your mind the, the stereotypical Hollywood Western saloon. That's Willie Nelson's house. And he's got all his, you know, gold and platinum records all around the place, pictures of different people, and he literally lives upstairs from a, an old time Western saloon. He's the real deal. He's the country guy, you know. <laughs> Willie Nelson. Very cool. Illustrations by Micah Nelson. I believe it's one of his grandchildren. I could be wrong. Nepotism. Nepotism, as always. Roll you up and smoke me when I die. Musings from the road. I enjoyed it. What do you think, uh, Sir Jimmy? Oh, I, I enjoyed it, you know, despite my, uh, my sudden and, and wicked disappointment. Uh, <laughs> I did enjoy the book. You know, everything about him, you know, growing up as a kid and, and being poor and, and uh, raised by his grandparents, essentially, and what he used to do to make money, he would... Uh, you know, he would climb trees, you know, and, and do limbing and all that until one day one of his buddies fell out of it and he decided to quit doing that forever. But he's a vigorous old guy. I mean, he still loves to go for uh, bike rides and, and uh, ride horses. And, you know, he lives between Texas and Florida. He says he hates to go anywhere that's cold. And, yeah. But uh, interesting guy. Uh, he was one of my grandfather's um, favorite singers of, of all time. So I uh, was... Uh, it's good and to have learned something else about him. He sings one of my favorite Christmas carols. Let's just say it, it, uh, weed it plays a heavy part in it. It is funny. <laughs> it is funny. 
Yeah, he does. I'm pretty sure weed played a heavy part in every one of Willie Nelson's songs. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. <laughs> pretty much. That's, that's what it is. But he doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs anymore. The, that's what he says. He says he doesn't do drugs, doesn't drink. Uh, He's just sick of getting arrested at every border <laughs> crossing. He just says that. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to throw everybody off the trail. Hey, Sir Jimmy, I'm going to keep a watch out. If Willie Nelson does come into Toronto for a book signing or for a concert, I'm going to get that some bitch to autograph. He's going to have to trace every line on this fake autograph. I'm going to say, Mr. Nelson, I am not. You better call security because I am not leaving till you trace every single line on this thing. I want to see. I wonder if he even drew it. I'm starting to wonder now. He's probably, uh, you know, Micah probably drew the thing. If the nice people at Harper Collins are listening, episode 61 of the Book Guys show, send that over to Willie. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> well, I'll put my address in the show notes. I want a real signature. Ah, Padre, Father Robert Balliser, the digital Jesuit, the host of This Week in Enterprise Technology, my friend. What have you been Oot. reading? Well, I got a couple of things. Um, on my uh, Kindle right now, I've got... Um, Believe it or not, I'm going back through the Harry Potter books. Uh, oh. I don't know why. Okay. I just I just kind of felt like going through them again. It's been a while since I picked them up. You know, if you haven't read a book in a while, you pick it up. It's like an old friend. Are you doing the you, audio or the books? No, I'm doing the books. Like okay. uh, in the in the Kindle books. Okay. Uh, it, and it's kind of weird because I as I'm going through the books, I'm, I'm on book three right now. As as I go through the books, I kind of remember where I was the first time I read the book, and being who I am. I was in all different parts of the world, and I read part one when I was in Bolivia. I read part two when I was in China. I read part three when I was down in Uruguay. So it, it's kind of cool having them in a go. But that's the fluffy side. I mean, I know how that's going to turn out. I just wanted to, I, 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 I wanted to test the hypothesis I had about uh, the movement in, of darkness between books three and five. Mm-hmm. Well, that's but interesting. I just finished hollowing out Order of the Phoenix. It's in the uh, hollow book bunker ready to be thrown on the website. As a matter of fact, finished it this morning. And what's that website, Sir Jimmy? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's freehollowbooks.com, of course. We give away a free hollow book every month of the year. Nice. Now, Sir Jimmy, you know, I've always been unclear as to the concept. What is a, a hollow book? <laughs> it's just a book that's got a hole cut in it so you can hide things. Like your, you know, Willie Nelson could probably use one. Might have saved him, you know, from a, a little <laughs> s- sticky situation, you know. He probably have trouble getting his fingers off of the pages, though, with all that stickiness. But uh, <laughs> there's no pages left. That's the beauty, you know. I, I I make them a giant book to hide your iPad in, so you can read it on the train and not look like a you know a douchebag with an iPad, or maybe just want to look like a guy who doesn't want to get his iPad stolen. Or throw a book on the seat of your car, throw your wallet in it, throw your your GPS, anything, you know, throw your gun. That's one of the biggest things. I send a lot of books to Texas for people to put guns in. You know, they'd have a concealed carry permit and want their gun in the car, but they, they don't want it in the glove box. They don't want it sitting on the seat, but they want it right there. Open up the lid, bam. Recommend them uh, for everyday storage in your home for a gun, especially at homes that have children. But if you don't have children, hey, do it. That sounds like a great idea. Now, where, where can I go again to get one of those? <laughs> uh, we're not doing ads anymore, freehollowbooks.com. <laughs> we're not doing ads at the top of the show, it sounds like we're doing. <laughs> so, but but the, Harry Potter's not the only thing I got. I, I felt like I needed to, to pay a little penance for having a fluffy selection at the moment. So, um, believe it or not, I've, I've gone back to uh, a 
a book I was supposed to read back in high school, never finished it. Uh, William Faulkner's The Sound and the Fury. Um, and it is actually making a lot more sense this time. The first time around, I, I didn't have the uh, emotional maturity to actually stay with the book. Right. You know, it's, it's written in a stream of consciousness. It's the whole thing is uh, about the decline of this traditional Southern family. Um, and, um, you know, it's post-Civil War. You've got a, a Southern family that was proud, that, that was very traditional, and they just can't adjust to the real world. And the entire story is narrated in the mind of, um, of uh, Benji Compson. He's an autistic son of the family. And so you get this very, I mean, the style itself, tells as much about the story as as the actual words that you're reading um and uh you know it, it's one of the great pieces of literature it was instrumental in faulkner getting the 1949 nobel prize in literature yeah it is a seminal work i i just i wish i had not read it when i was in high school because i i developed a little bit of hate around the book since it was so difficult to digest and, we're, and uh, hang on in high school were you being was this part of the curriculum no, this is just for fun. Okay, okay. Because because some books, suggests- you know, you, you revisit them like you're saying, and and you didn't have the the life experience to make the book enjoyable. But now that you do, uh, you see things in the book that you wouldn't. You would have probably put the book down at some point when you were younger. Right. Now, uh, well, I mean. Well, part of it. Part of it is a main theme of the story, and I only see it now is. You know, as we age, as we go from innocence to adulthood, or as you go from what you thought was the good old times to modernity, life becomes increasingly complicated. Yes. Uh, and, and the black and white becomes gray. And, you know, if you're a high school student who's just really starting to see the opportunities in the world that are pres- present before you, you can't, you can't really see the world in that kind of view. Right. You know, get a couple miles underneath you, Get a couple of your yeah. hopes and dreams dashed onto the rocks, and now the book actually makes sense. No, no. Uh, but back to your Harry Potter series for a second. <laughs> now that you're you're in book three again, a rereading series. Book three. What age do you figure would be a good age that you could safely, you know, read this story to a child? Well, see, that's the weird thing. Book one is re- it really is a children's story. You could read mm-hmm. that to to you know a six year old. Yeah. But starting with book two, it starts turning a little bit. I, I almost um, think she, she almost consciously planned this out because you could, like you're just saying, mm-hmm. three-year-old book one, four-year-old book two, five-year-old book three, and six, seven, eight, nine kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you would not read book three to someone who you think is going to get horrible nightmares. Right. You would not read book five to, um, to a four-year-old. I mean, I'm right. Just, Unless you want to deal with a lot of tears. Right. It probably has a lot to do with the reason that it's number one on the list of banned books. If you go back to our banned books episode. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now yeah. it's also one of the most fun series if you're literally, like you just said, reading the book to a child. Because you can do voices and, you know, and there's so much magic and, and things going on that keeps their attention. Uh, keeps my attention. I, I listen to all the audiobooks. Brilliant. I listen to the uh, UK versions. Because everything magical is better with a British voice. Philosophers. So, yeah. And uh, really looking forward to uh, seeing... She might be coming out with some Harry Potter material again soon. 
I think she's uh, thinking about it. Oh, we lost her. We lost the Padre. Padre, wherefore art no, thou? I'm still here. Oh, you still, I'm here. still here. Yeah. So rereading Faulkner later in life and enjoying it on your Kindle. I, I actually am. I really am. Um, I just finished. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have, have uh, read The Road. The Road by Cormac McCarthy. I have not. And this one is... Fiction. 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 If you're on Netflix, and you have to stop the temptation, because uh, there's a great movie on Netflix. It's well done. Read the book first, as quite often is the case. The book is better. Uh, the Road is an, it's, it's an allegorical tale, really. I mean, if I had read it as a kid, as a teenager, I would have thought, well, it's about a man and a boy... In a post-apocalyptic nightmare, I love post-apocalyptic nightmares, uh, traveling on a road, trying to survive. Uh, it seems that, it's very vague, but it seems like it's been a nuclear, post-nuclear. We've got ash on the floor everywhere. We've got a gray sky. Plants are all dying or dead. The birds are gone. The fish are gone. There's nothing left to eat other than the remnants of society. So canned foods and foods are left over and people. Twinkies people <laughs> so it is a very dark tale uh, of, a, of, yeah, of a father and his young boy a father who literally says uh, you know uh, I'm here to protect you and that's what God told me and I'm here to keep you alive and it's a, it's a touching tale at the same time it's an allegory for life where it reduces life to its basic fundamentals where the road almost becomes a character the road is life or time. The man, his whole goal in life is to go from meal to meal, stay alive, keep his child alive, and eventually hand his child off to the world and trying to get his, his boy safely to the coast. Um, gritty book. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I listened to the audio. It's only about seven hours, I believe. The audio is, yeah, six hours, 39 minutes. It's a quick one. We're the movie is... It's out right now. <laughs> Wait, I have a clip. I can play a little clip. I, I have this clip I haven't listened to, so it could be one of those rubbish, audible, random points in the in the book. Uh, the movie is great. If you don't want to invest the time, the six hours and thing, if you have a Netflix account, it's free. Uh, if with your Netflix account, The Road, uh, brilliant film. Uh, what's his name? Viggo Mortensen plays the the man. You know, they never get named either. It's the man and the boy and the road. You don't know where the road is, state, province, whatever. It's it's really is an allegory. It's very gray film. Very rarely do you see any color other than in flashbacks. And it's just dark. And you know we love us some post-apocalyptic nightmares. <laughs> Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Here's a quick sample. Narrated by Tom with the really weird German last name. Steschucht. The soft ash blowing in loose swirls over the blacktop. He studied what he could see. The segments of road among the dead trees, looking for anything of color, any movement, any trace of standing smoke. He lowered the glasses and pulled down the cotton mask from his face and wiped his nose on the back of his wrist and then glassed the country again. Then he just sat there holding the binoculars and watching the ashen daylight congeal over the land. He knew only that the child was his warrant. He said, 
If he's not the word of God, God never spoke. When he got back, the boy was still asleep. He pulled the blue plastic tarp off of him and folded it and carried it out to the grocery cart and packed it and came back with her plates and some cornmeal cakes and a plastic bag and a plastic bottle of syrup. He spread the small tarp they used for a table on the ground and laid everything out and he took the pistol from his belt and laid it on the cloth. And then he just sat watching the boy sleep. He'd pulled away his mask in the night and it was buried somewhere in the blankets. He watched the boy and he looked out through the trees toward the road. This wasn't a safe place. They could be seen from the road now it was day. The boy turned in the blankets. Then he opened his eyes. Hi, Papa, he said. I'm right here. I know. An hour later, they were on the road. He pushed the cart, and both he and the boy carried knapsacks. In the knapsacks were essential things, in case they had to abandon the cart and make a run for it. Clamped to the handle of the cart was a chrome motorcycle mirror that he used to watch the road behind them. He shifted the pack higher on his shoulders and looked out over the wasted country. The road was empty. Below in the little valley, the still gray serpentine of a river, motionless and precise. Along the shore, a burden of dead reeds. You okay? he said. The boy nodded. Then they set out along the black top in the gunmetal light, shuffling through the ash, each the other's world entire. And the story continues. But uh, it's it's a struggle, this man, to keep this boy and himself alive and basically scavenging from what's left of, you know, the universe, their universe. You know, gas is, gas rots. A lot of people don't know that gas does decompose. So you're in a world where it's been years since the event, whatever the event is, you can leave it up to your imagination. And, uh, you know, gas is mostly rotten. Doesn't, it's not as efficient as it used to be. Food is scarce. Even the Twinkies have gone bad. <laughs> and a lot of the bad people, the evil people, have turned to cannibalism. So this is, uh, I did this as an audiobook. I almost wish I hadn't because I listen to my audiobooks at night. And I can tell you that there was one night I fell asleep just after one of these scenes involving uh, cannibalism that I won't even describe on the show. It is riveting. It's um, chilling uh, just to see what this man will do. But, you know, they're the good guys, so they don't do any of the bad stuff, but they do wander around it, let's say. Uh, the movie, brilliant. I watched the movie just after finishing the uh, the book, and they did a, a great job uh, converting it to a, a movie. Like, sometimes, you know, they, they chop out things they shouldn't, but uh, they did a very good jo- job con- condensing it. So was the uh, cannibalism scene much more graphic in the book? There was extra scenes. There were other things that happened in the book and that were a little bit more disconcerting, <laughs> troubling for your mind. But they did involve most, uh, most of the cannibal scenes did involve it in the book. Uh, they were there. They were in the movie. Well done. And of course, Viggo Mortensen, a brilliant, brilliant uh, actor who does a great job with uh, his role as the man. Downer. Downer. We got we to gotta bring this up. We got to bring this up. The book guy's show's gone down Play. to cannibalism, sadness. Play a jingle. Play a jingle. You know what? I am going to play a jingle. What the hell? 
podcasts. You know, I wasn't going to keep on yapping. I was going to go back oh, to you guys. But oh. I really had nothing can cheer you up more than Ricky Gervais' laugh. <laughs> I can tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, which uh, has been distilled down by Ricky Gervais and crew, uh, which, of course, is uh, Stephen Merchant, uh, graduate of the University of Warwick, and guy with a head like an effing orange, Carl Pilkington. <laughs> and the three of them sat together, and they've done all these podcasts. Uh, you may have seen the Ricky Gervais show, which is a cartoon now on uh, North American television, which is basically, they took the best clips of the podcast animated it and put it out as the Ricky Gervais show. Uh, but they also do sell the podcast as an audiobook. And I think Apple at some point told them, you can't do this. You can't release the podcast, you know, for six months and then make it an audiobook for 99 cents. So what they started doing is uh, go straight to audiobook and they're, they're like 99 cents. But uh, I'm going to play a quick clip here of, Ricky Gervais' Guide to the English, which is podcast, or sorry, audiobook. Finger How co- long is one of these podcasts Air finger quotes. for 99 cents? Uh, I will tell you in a second. They're usually just about an hour. Okay, not bad. Not oh, bad. By the way, just for a point of, of, of record here, it's always a good idea to tell a comedian that he can't do something. That's Nothing right. bad will ever right. happen to him. <laughs> so what Ricky Gervais said, did was say, well, screw you. We're all going, you know what? We're going straight to audiobook. And a lot of the fans were complaining, hey, this thing used to be free. Now it's 99 cents. So I think he I literally says in the first audiobook, he says, F all you fans. <laughs> we gave it away for free for a year. You didn't get it. Then we charged for it. Well, you don't like that? Screw you. It's 99 cents now. You can't listen to it for free for a year. So this is the guide to the English. Of course, Carl Pilkington uh, is the star of An Idiot Abroad. Uh, the, now, the new season, season three, uh, Carl says he wouldn't do the show again, uh, where he travels around the world and discovers new things. He wouldn't do it again unless he had a companion. So, of course, Ricky Gervais gave him Warwick Davis to go with him. Warwick every, Davis. Time I hear, every time I hear an idiot abroad, I think it's like, you know, this stupid guy and a hot chick. <laughs> well, you know, an idiot abroad is Ricky Gervais figured out that his friend Carl Pilkington hates everything. You know, they would take him out for, like, vacation. Like, Ricky's got more money than, you know, the good Lord at this point. So, he, you know, he's taking his friends on a vacation and calls him, eh, I don't like this. This is no good. So they figured, who better to send on this, like, you know, Attenborough-style, like, discover the seven wonders of the world than the guy who really doesn't want to be there. <laughs> so that's Carl Pilkington. you got to see the, hear the way he announces him on the podcast. It's It's brilliant. And since we're already explicit with Willie Nelson, let's just listen to it right on. Uh, there you go. Oh, we're listening to Santa Baby. Lovely. I love the new iTunes. Here we go. Audible. Audio that speaks to you wherever you are. There we go. To be born English is to win first prize in the lottery of life. So said Cecil Rhodes, one of the grandfathers of British imperialism, 
At its height, the British Empire ruled over one quarter of the world's population and consequently exported Englishness to the furthest reaches of the globe. But what is Englishness? Is it stiff upper lips and fair play, village greens and tea and crumpets? And who are the English? Are we defined by a shared heritage, a common set of beliefs, by the language of Shakespeare? Or in a multicultural modern age, when more languages are spoken in England than in any other country in Europe? Do we need to develop a new view of what it means to be English? To discuss and define the nature and characteristics of the English, I'm joined by Stephen Merchant, graduate of the University of Warwick, an award-winning writer. Thank you for having me. And Carl Pilkington, a man who, by his own admission, uh, didn't go to school, has no qualifications. Mention the head, talk about the head. I'm just trying to get to the point that he's not qualified in anything, or True. really isn't, uh, has no authority in any subject, or hasn't got the right to it. Talk about the head. And it was known the world over as a man who has a head like a fucking orange. You c- I think one thing that's very English is harping back and whinging combined. People saying, oh, England used to be better in my day, oh, England was better when I was a kid, England was better in the 50s or whatever. Carl, do you think England's better now? Are you happier now um, than you were when you were a kid? Do you feel that life was better in, say, the 1950s? Uh, I don't know, I wasn't around. So but you understand what it was like in those days? Um. You've seen happy days. I don't know. People always say, don't they? Old people always say, oh, uh, you know, it's a better life in the 50s. It was like, yeah, it was for them. Of course it was for them. They're old now. Being old isn't great, is it? So you're just happy with your lot. I suppose I was happiest at in about 1984. <laughs> right. Quite a specific year. Why? Why was, just, was that? It was just I was free and happy. How old, how old were you? I don't know. Uh, let me see. He's just counting on his fingers now. 12. Right, okay. And it was just good. So uh, the happiest days of your life were between the age of 12 and 13? Yeah, it was good. I had the world ahead of me. Mm. Um, Little did you know, your hair was going to fall out and you were going to whinge every minute of the day. I had my bike. I like messing about my bike. You had your mates. I had a pet magpie. So you were probably the teenager that you eventually hate? Probably. Were you a good lad, law-abiding? I wasn't bad. I just sort of, you know, just potted about. I mean, when people talk about what was on the telly back then, I, I don't have that much memory of it, because I was always out, I was always playing out. What were you doing when you were out? Just playing about, just like, on a bike, or... Just riding in a circle, endlessly, through oh, yeah. blizzards, I loved it. rain, sleet, loved hail. It. I never seemed to be in, I was always... When, when everyone always goes, where were you when uh, Band-Aid was happening? I was always out on my bike, and everything was like... Like you and McGregor? A, a memory's always sort of like, coming in for some orange, and looking at the telly and seeing Princess Diana's getting married, and my mum says, have you seen this? And I'm going, oh, I'm going out on my bike. I was always doing that. The only time I was in the house... <laughs> this is why you don't know anything, because you never stopped. Yeah, but this is what being a kid's about. But That's all what the I mean, information you have, Carl, is as though you've gleaned it as you raced by on a bike. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, every piece of information you have. Your hair, it your is. hair blowing the wind. <laughs> Carl, your hair will blow out one day. Oh, don't talk, stupid ma'am. So, yeah, 12 to 13 was good. But you see... And it was all downhill from then, was it? 13. It's your teenager then, aren't you? Life got tough. Yeah. How did it get tough? Just straight away when I was 13, my mum was like, you know, oh, it's your 13th birthday, you're a teenager now. Right. And she gave us a quid to go and get a cake to celebrate it. Went to the supermarket, got a cake, and I just thought, I don't like the look of this. I don't like the look of the way the future is here. <laughs> well, you were buying a cake. What, what did you what see at the supermarket? Just, that... It was kind of like, I don't know, I suddenly felt grown up. I didn't like it. But I think you were always about 58. 
really, with your outlook. Well, yeah, my mum always said I was old. She said I was an old baby. She said I could frown before. <laughs> There's a great uh, description of Carpet He's an old baby. Just listening to uh, Ricky laugh makes you laugh, pretty much. But uh, I've, I'm told that Carl Pil- Pilkington is not a character. And uh, Ricky Gervais has been accused of creating this character of Carl Pilkington, this guy who walks around complaining about everything. But Carl had a, a BBC radio show for over 10 years before he even met Ricky Gervais. So there's a, it's on record <laughs> who this man is because his whole outlook on life. You, every, every time someone I introduce Carl Pilkington on audio or uh, The Idiot Abroad to someone, they say, well, that's made up. This is a character. He's completely different at home. He is not. This is a real human being. And he pretty much, it was almost a, a shame they called it the Ricky Gervais show when they put the podcast on cartoon and put it on television. It should be the Carl Pilkington show. Because Steve and Ricky are playing off Carl, definitely. Lots of fun. You can get them for free. There are free ones out there. Uh, just look up Ricky Gervais podcast. And if you enjoy that, they've filtered them down into one hour episodes that they call audiobooks. For the and purposes. if you did listen to that entire clip on the Book Guy show, you everyone <laughs> needs to send us 99 cents. That's right. <laughs> I'll cut it down a bit in post. <laughs> uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't complaining about the link. I just know his content is not free any longer. And, you know, we can't be subject to litigation. No, no, no. And, and plus, we're, we're playing it as a news show. We are playing it as uh, we're representing the news and we're playing a little clip as uh, copyright law allows you to. Speaking of that, Sir Jimmy. We are completely within the, <laughs> the bounds of fair use here. This was commentary. Fair, yes. <laughs> We're going to be doing the same thing again soon, only with songs that are book-related or based on books. I've got quite a, co- a compilation. We're going to play short clips from each song. We're going to provide links for everyone to purchase the whole thing. Actually, I, I think I'm going to make a... I'm going to find out how to do it again, and a playlist on iTunes where people can go in and just take a look at all of them. Um, I think I'm, I'm up to about 50 songs. And some of them will blow your mind. You'll say, what? That's based on a book? And we will say, yes, it is. Have, we'll tell you, you how. The list? You still uh, have the list I sent you of all those books? I still have everything, my friend. Yes. We're ready to go. Yes. And Adam Curry, if you're listening, come on. A daily source code. The list is ready. Because no one has the steel nuts to p- actually play them in their entirety. <laughs> and no one is, uh, has a better DJ voice to do it than you. <laughs> That's right, Padre. Nice set, of, nice set of balls on the Padre there too. Uh, <laughs> what, what are those, Padre? We gotta uh, we gotta explain to listeners because we're not video yet. Uh, well, have you ever heard of a game called White Elephant? Pink Elephant, yes. Well, yeah, this is a Christmas. <laughs> so it's it's like Secret Santa, but everyone gives gifts that they've regifted. Okay. So basically, you end up with the same gifts every single year. You get a toaster. <laughs> and um, but when you when you get the gift, you're supposed to describe what it is because it always ends up being oh, it's up like a porcelain statue of a of a donkey and a dolphin playing in the water. So I got this, and I, for the life of me, I was like, someone gave me sex toys. <laughs> I'm on <laughs> dryer. Yes. These are dryer balls. You're supposed to put these in with your clothes in the dryer okay. instead of uh, yeah, and, and it's supposed to keep your your clothes soft and. Really doesn't do that. Do you want to you want to do a little experiment here live on the air? I have another use for those balls. 
<laughs> Seriously, no, no. As long you, as the you, video are, isn't going out anywhere. No, hang no, on no. a sec. Are, are you? Are you? <laughs> are you wearing? Are you wearing footwear? Uh, I, I'm wearing a cassock. Oh, hey. Where, where's, where's that placed? <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, put them on the floor with your, with, with your naked feet and just roll your feet across oh, them right simultaneously. That, that actually might work. Yeah, very, that actually feels, feels kind of nice. Very relaxing. You can do it while you're podcasting. You burn, you know, maybe 10, 12 calories. It's, uh, it's a workout and relaxation. Uh, I've seen those things before sold for that specific purpose, and the kid must have thrown them in the dryer one time, and everybody's clothes came out wrinkle-free, and they repurposed them. <laughs> well, what you don't realize is that here in my studio, underneath the table, I have a treadmill, so I'm I'm running the whole time that we're broadcasting. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you had a midget <laughs> under the table. But, you know, well, we are person. explicit already, so yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's fine. Hey, and Sir Jimmy, speaking of tips... Uh, I promise to give you that iPhone tip. If you miss oh, uh, yes. if you miss notifications because there's no visual cue, okay, follow yeah, along with me. Okay, I'm huh? I'm ready. iPhone and iPod Touch users, go to settings. Oh, all right. I'm following along. Scroll down to general. General already there. Scroll all the way down to accessibility. Now this is meant for the. Uh, hearing impaired, whatnot. If you scroll down the accessibility thing there, you will go down. You'll, there's a little thing called LED flash for alerts. Um, is this in like a new new version of uh, the software? Uh, it's been there for a couple. Because I'm in accessibility and I don't see. Okay, that. so there's vision. You have to go down to the hearing section of the accessibility. I see assistive touch, triple click home. Here, okay, hearing I have on and off. That's it. Oh, okay. Okay, so so let's see. If I turn it on, no, that's it. It's just has hmm. for the audio. What version, what of, version, the, version of what version of, the, of oh, iOS are you running? The one that won't take away Google Maps. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this might be an iOS like six thing. I don't know, but there is a LED flash for alerts. You turn that on, and anytime you get an alert. Your the flash on your camera will blink a few times, and it's really bright. Okay, well that'll work. That won't work for the iPad since there's no flash. Ah, uh, yes. There you go. Okay, so, so yeah, that, it will that, not that be. Is, uh, I can do that with my iPhone because work did recently give me an iPhone, and because uh, I'm pretty sure that was that. in iOS five. So for the last couple of years or last year or so, but it, it'll flash the LED really bright. See, I, I, lo- I like this. I love this, uh, except for the fact that uh, on my Android devices, that's the basic feature <laughs> built in. But honestly, I would rather pay 20 bucks for this little LED thing that plugs into the camera or into the headphone jack than, I mean, Google Maps is worth $20 to me. If it was an app and I could go download it and put that on there with this, you know, Apple Map crap, I think that's what they officially named it. Yeah, uh, Apple I would Maps. do it. For, for someone like me that takes transit, um, I found that the Apple Maps, the biggest thing for me that the Apple Maps has screwed up is uh, removing the transit information. So if you're in Toronto, uh, the app I use now is called TTC Watch, which actually lets you see the buses uh, via GPS in real time. 
So you can actually, it brings up a map of where you are, all the bus routes, and I can see that there is a bus two minutes away from my location, and it'll actually tell you it'll be there in, actually that one's going to be in one minute, the next one's in 23 minutes, so you can sort of judge your, I can say, well, I'm not going to rush out there because 23 minutes, I can have another drink, talk with the boys about books, that kind of thing. But you'll have to find a specific app for your city where I believe that they are going to return the transit information soon. The walking information. It's always interesting. Even if you're driving, right? You're driving down to Nashville. It's still kind of cool to flick it over to walk. (laughs) How long would it take me to walk on the road? Did the the Padre bring any Padre casts to the show tonight? Yeah, Padre. Padre cast. Well, you know, the only one that I've been playing with, uh, it, this is a longtime favorite of mine. You mentioned the host, Brian Brushwood, who, along with Justin Robert Young, does a podcast on the Twit Network called NSFW, which uh, it's the NSFW show. The nominally safe for work, the new show full of win, anything but not safe for work. <laughs> uh, and it's just once a week. Uh, it's it's like I let, I get to let my hair down. You go into the unfiltered side of the Twitch chat, and these two guys are masters of just turning mayhem into absolute hilarity. It's a lot of fun. It is it is a lot of fun. Sometimes it's over the top. You know, it, it can be hit or miss, but uh, it's got an incredibly dedicated following. You know, I mean, Twitch already has the most dedicated chat room that I know of uh, of any of the major networks. Yes, and NSFW is definitely the most rabid group of the twit audience uh, so yeah I, I, we should get brian back on brian and jury at the same time oh that would be fun we'll do a whole nsfw uh book guy show that'd be great yeah. Yeah. you I've know been I, sh- i've been i've been showing off one of his tricks where he takes the uh takes the match and breathes in the air from the match and then you blow out the smoke i've been blowing people's minds with that one <laughs> you know he, he was uh, showing off some of his basic uh, fire eating tricks and uh, one of the things that he said was if you're going to do fire eating there's one thing that you have to, to to get over really quickly and that is the fact that not all of it is a trick you know it's painful right. so you just got to be ready for the pain and uh, you and have to we- shave and you have yeah you have to you have to be clean shaven but also like for example uh, there's this the, the one tr- the, the basic fire eating where you take the, the the ball of fire you put in your mouth and you swallow it right so the number one mistake that amateurs make is when they put it into their mouth, you got to count to three, and you got to count to three slowly, and you have to commit. When you close your mouth around that that little uh, uh, the little stick, you got to close your mouth. <laughs> you got to close your mouth, and, and yeah, it's going to hurt. Yeah, the, the stick is hot, and the longer that you've had the fire going, the, the hotter thing is going to be, and it may, right. may burn your lips. But if you reopen your mouth, not only have you just allowed oxygen back into the fire, but now that flaming materials around your face. Right. <laughs> Do not try this at home, folks. Just saying. <laughs> I was looking for one of those when I cracked this open. I was waiting. Oh, sorry. So did, uh, oh, hey. all cool Budweiser. Oh, it's my new favorite sound effect. The intro to Spider-Man, the Japanese Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> Why is it that Spider-Man and the Japanese a huge mech? Because Marvel didn't have a uh, weaponized lawyers at that time. <laughs> oh, that's messed up, man. I, I could have had Spider-Man and a huge robot. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I had a huge robot shaped like a leopard. Leopardon. <laughs> Leopardon. <laughs> Which 
which is the mech that uh, was chosen by uh, by Watts by Parzival in Ready Player One. That's correct. <laughs> That's why I looked it up. And actually, uh, quick tip: Marvel.com now has all the Japanese Spider-Man videos free to watch. If you have a kid that likes Spider-Man, that likes giant robots, hey, it's Spider-Man and giant robots. <laughs> Although it's not Peter Parker. It's not Peter Parker. It's a different character, and he uh, he's a motorcycle racer. <laughs> His name is Peter Parkour. <laughs> Peter Parkour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my friends. Let's do it. It's been an hour. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Kibosh. Whoa. Kibosh. Uh, I, I sent you another diligently produced clip from another podcast. Oh, that's, since we're doing podcasts, let's keep going. Podcasts. I almost forgot to, to talk about that. Yeah, that's right. You know what? Actually, I was, I was uh, previewing this clip, and uh, one of the gentlemen, he actually he re- rents a space here at the studio. He's the owner of Terry Toys, and he's into toys, obviously, because he sells toys. He was listening to that clip, and he said, you have to get me that whole episode. <laughs> All right, it's available, but you know, you played the the closing credits, and now I think we might be in overtime. <laughs> we just might be in, and that's overtime. <laughs> We're going jingle crazy today, jingle crazy. They love it. <laughs> What's this podcast? Another podcast, Sir Jimmy. Please, the folks want stuff to listen to in their cars, and it's not always books. Sometimes you just want an hour of entertainment or half an hour a podcast. What do you this got? is hilarious, hilariously informative, factual podcasting. It's it's uh, a couple people, uh, regulars. One guy has the most amazing voice. I mean, we should get him on the show just to you know hook him up with Jeff Smith or something because his voice is just hey so- hey. Listen, your radio voice is pretty good. Hi, Paul. This is Sir Jimmy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, that is fantastic. But maybe you know we could we could get some for you know somebody else but anyway caustic soda is the name of the podcast c-a-u-s-t-i-c caustic soda as in a soda that you would drink that would destroy your esophagus but uh, they they pick a topic and they just they go crazy with it i mean from people who died on trips like the the donner party and they go through like people that try to get to the north pole and the, it's historical or they talk about uh in this particular one about uh deadly toys you know toys going you know like uh the little cabbage patch doll that came out in the 80s that would like uh eat little eat little food pellets that you would put in and and kids would get their fingers stuck in there but like the worst thing is like a little girl's hair would get stuck in the mouth of the cabbage patch kid and it would eat the hair all the way down to their head and rip all the hair out before it stopped good lord Um, and and this one that was one of the best podcasts. I do not remember that toy as a child. Oh yeah, it, I remember. It. I remember the commercials and the little pellets. I thought, yeah, and it was also dangerous. Kids were choking on the little plastic pellets, and they pulled the thing off the shelves. But uh, interesting podcast. Um, I found it um, during the podcast awards. You know, just maybe a month and a half ago, it was one of the ones that was listed as being best produced, and another one from being uh, something else, but. I picked it up, and I got to say, this year it's my the, my most favorite podcast that I've came across in quite a while. All right, let's take a listen. Caustic soda, toys that kill episode. <laughs> Magnets in your small intestine. How do they work? 
I'm Joe Fulgham. Choo-choo! Here comes the kerosene train. I'm Torin Atkinson. <laughs> What's worse than lead toys? Molten lead toys. I'm Kevin Leeson, and this is Caustic Soda. So this is the Dangerous Toys, the Toys That Kill episode. Aha! Yeah, because just plain toys isn't much of an episode. Now, in history, we'll, uh, I've got a list of uh, items that were recalled or just terrible things happened. Okay. Uh, thanks to our intern, Todd, for a bunch of these. We'll start off way back in 1843. Oh, okay. The Stevens Model Dockyard Locomotive. This is one of the first locomotive models that actually moved. The Stevens Company model was a real steam-propelled engine that required kids to pour either kerosene or alcohol <laughs> into the train and then light it. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> it even came with a little boiler attachment to heat the water. <laughs> the toy steam engines of this era were nicknamed dribblers or piddlers <laughs> because they tended to piss a continuous stream of alcohol or kerosene-laden water <laughs> as they rolled along the floor. <laughs> So it's leaving a trail of flammable liquid. Uh, and it's got a flame, uh, uh, an actual flame uh, heating a boiler on this the is, toy itself. This is a slow motion movie vengeance scene just waiting to happen. At the other side of the train track, the dog is there with a pack of matches looking at the kid and going, Remember all the times you said you threw that ball and didn't? Shit. <laughs> That sounds like a lot of fun, Sir Jimmy. <laughs> you know, I, I think I remember almost ordering that little train out of the back <laughs> of comic books. I think that was one of those little things that you could you could send away for. I'm, I'm picturing this uh, this trail of kerosene, and if you use the train as a circle around your Christmas tree, <laughs> so it's now you now got this. Uh, we didn't get your audio earlier, Sir Jimmy. Whatever you just said, so. Oh, I was just saying that that clip was painstakingly edited, and I'm quite proud of how I put that together. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I, this is probably a lot of the reasons that the Consumer Product Safety Commission was uh, brought about. Probably, yeah. And, and they mentioned the magnets there, yeah. Don't – any of those little magnets, the super strong magnets? Oh, if yeah, buckyballs. We, we have some here in the those house. Those are They're great. Fantastic. Those are awesome. <laughs> I was just they about to say, good. if you have small children, don't have them in your house. If you swallow those, they will kill you. Yes. Yes, that's how it works. You'll get the, them in different sections of your intestine. Well, we've, we've got go miles, of, miles of intestines, right? So they're all, you yeah. know, yeah. twisted up and whatnot. So if you swallow, if a kid swallows one now and swallows another one in 20 seconds, that's going to fuse two intestines together, and apparently that's not a good thing. Oh no! They have to they have to cut you open and yeah. take the section and intestine out. Yeah, and as a kid, can you imagine how how crappy your childhood would be if you had to wear a colostomy bag for like four months? See, I always thought about just eating an entire bag of buckyballs so my intestines <laughs> would form those cool shapes, so you could jump <laughs> on the refrigerator and stick to it. <laughs> yeah, they also talk about remember lawn darts. No, those were oh. bad. <laughs> yeah, seriously, how many families have lawn darts? These little spikes owe death. Yeah. Yes, still have this, some. this is a great idea. We're going to put a target five feet away from us and throw these darts way high in the air. Oh, no, I, that wasn't what? what happened. We would set the targets up on either side of the house and throw them over the house and try to hit the target. <laughs> I got to say, <laughs> we used them as, as kids. I, I, I clearly remember the set. There was like five yellow ones, five red ones. They had the little target things you put on the grass. And with adult supervision, 
they work just fine. This is a Darwin Award thing. I'm sorry. I'm glad that they're, you know, I'm not a Darwin Award, you know, type guy. I, I, I understand why it's legal. I understand why they don't make them anymore. But I just got to say, our family managed to use them for like 20, 10 years. No one ever got hurt because dad would say, you get the hell away from that target. Because when you were on one side, no one was around the other target. I, I got one. We had a play set in the back of our house. Yeah. That uh, it was like the old before any safety uh, guidance guidelines were out. The old, like a, a V of steel connected by two bars with all the swings on it. And because we weren't smart enough to actually weigh the thing down with concrete, as you would swing, the entire set would start <laughs> jiggling across the backyard. And, uh, you know, it's amazing when you look at that. It's like, how is it that one or all of the kids didn't die as this thing yeah, and it <laughs> impaled us with barbs of steel? <laughs> and, oh, and by the way, I, I do have to say that the toys from my era... Much, much tastier. Lead is delicious. Mm-mm. Lead. Mm. It melts in your mouth. <laughs> hey, you know, since we're in overtime, we do get some listener mail once in a while. I got this one today. Of course, it's an email. <laughs> I've printed it out. Uh, from Brenda from Crichton University. Uh, she, she emailed in asking about, she has, she has a 1958 printing of Skylines and Wood Smoke by Badger Clark. And this was a kind of a posthumous, a limited memorial uh, dedication to the book. And she's got, uh, she had a, one of the thousand limited edition copies. She got it online. And hers happened to have uh, been cut improperly. So it was not trimmed right. So she can only read every second page. Because oh. <laughs> they're connected at the top And she emailed me and said What do you think, what should I do I, She goes, I don't want to sell it I just really love the, the story it's, it's valuable to me, but I don't want to sell it and make money uh, Should I cut open those pages? So my advice to her was no <laughs> um, If you have a classic, you know, like a 1957 book And it's got an error in printing If it's printed crooked Or if it's miscut Or in this case, one of the thousand copies in the world was not trimmed properly on the guillotine as they were processing it that makes it worth a lot of money any flaw in in a comic book or a book like that is worth a lot of money and she said well she's found other editions of this book on the web for $40 all the way up to $150 so my advice to her was well you know you don't want to sell it but listen sell it (laughs) get it appraised sell it for the $500 or $1000 or $5000 it's worth then go online, buy a $40 copy that's exactly the same, but you can read, and then take the excess money and use it for a night on the town, you know, rent boys and Chardonnay. No, 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 no. <laughs> take the excess money and go to freehollowbooks.com. That's right. And uh, pick yourself up something, something nice. <laughs> or, hey, have, it's so rare. Have her send it to me. I'll hollow it out and double the value. <laughs> this, this reminds me of those the, the antique roadshow episodes where you have someone who, oh, this is a fantastic piece, and if you look at this detailing and this detailing, and then the person will say, oh, that's wonderful. I'm so happy we, we had it cleaned. And then they oh, uh, yeah. Wah, wah. <laughs> Give it that <laughs> jingle. That's right. <laughs> 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 so yeah, any any flaw in a classic book is makes the book worth more money. Especially in that case, there's a thousand of them in, in existence, and I'm sure they didn't you know screw up all thousand. 
you know, just the guy working the guillotine didn't trim all the pages at the right, you know, length. So the bound edges at one corner of the bound edge is still connected. Uh, you know, we got a little fold, so, so you can't so, read, you know. So did she buy that? You said she bought it online? Yes. What, was she taught stuff, or do you think the people didn't know, or they're just trying to get rid of it? Uh, I, I think the, the people just didn't know that it was an issue. Well, so, you know, but Brenda, just, sell it. <laughs> get it appraised. It. Go to the nicest part of town in your city. Find the bookstore there. Where the you know the old man with the you know the coke bottle glasses behind the counter, he'll tell you exactly what it's worth, and uh, he'll put it up on auction for you. Get a thousand dollars for it, yeah. and you know. Do not bring it into a Barnes and Nobles or a Borders because then they'll go, oh, it's defective. Do you want us to get you a new one? That's right. <laughs> that, 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 yeah. We can get you a Kindle version, digital for your ebook <laughs> reader. <laughs> uh, it's been a lot of fun, guys. We talked some podcasts, some books. We're going to be doing our uh, book-related music episode soon once we work out all the details. And we will return again next week. That's episode 61 in the can, I think. I'm Great try- episode. I'm, yeah, I'm afraid to press the button because we, we do these things live. So hit. there you go. <laughs> Lots of fun. Thank you, Father Robert Balliser. Good Sir to be back. Jimmy, it is good to be back. Professor Allen couldn't make it. He might make it next week. And we will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel. We'll thank our guest, Eric Rushow from Garden Fork. I'm going to check that out, Sir Jimmy. I'm going to download that. And Caustic Soda. Sounds like fun. It's like, um, you know, learn, learn some stuff. Have a laugh. See you next week, folks. Same book time, same book channel. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. All the book guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's mental! <laughs>